the Four Horsemen. What you have here is the Four Horsemen, united, live and exciting color. Um, not those Four Horsemen. These Four Horsemen discuss theology from different viewpoints, different perspectives, as we show people how to have discussions without turning into a keyboard warrior. Are you stupid? Now, here's Dennis Thurman, Adam Black, Benjamin Kerfman, and Derek McCarson, the Four Horsemen. Ho, 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 bah humbug. Welcome to the Christmas edition of the Four Horsemen podcast, uh, even though it's the Three Horsemen tonight. Um, And I'm the Grinch that stole Christmas. Yes, which is true. Uh, which is true, and uh, here with Dennis Thurman and the great Ben Kerfman. Obviously, Derek is out saving the world. Um, he's uh, where's the real Ben Kerfman? Do I? Where's the real Ben Kerfman? You know. said there's the great Ben Kerfman. Ooh, he's not. He is. He is the Scrooge over here. But uh, but anyways, I'll have a comeback for that one. <laughs> So, uh, so this episode, uh, we wanted to kind of have a little bit of fun. I'm sure a little bit of debate about some of the hot topics when it comes to, uh, Christians and Christmas. And, uh, we, uh, dealt with some of this stuff. Um, we talked about some of the mentality when it came to Halloween, but, uh, some of this has flowed over into, the Christmas season. That most wonderful time of the year. Absolutely. And, um, and so what we want to discuss tonight is really kind of two topics, and I would love to hear the discussion. But the first one is dealing with uh, the old Christmas tree, oh Christmas tree. Um, and there's been apparently, I don't know how new this is, maybe it's not new at all, but there's been kind of this push by some Christians and things of that nature to rid themselves of a uh, Christmas tree due to pagan roots so people are saying you should not have uh, a christmas tree as a christian because it has pagan roots because at some point pagans had to were worshiping the evergreen so i want to begin this discussion by asking my two fellow colleagues do you have a christmas tree at your house and do you have a christmas tree at your church we'll start with the Okay, Ben Kerfman, not the great. I didn't go there. So I do uh, currently have one in my living room, and we do currently have one in the sanctuary. Ours. Yes. What is up with that? That's uh, neither. Neither of those are my personal preference. So you. So you wouldn't. So we'll get there in a minute. But you do have them. Uh, so we, you're a hypocrite. We, we do have them. <laughs> I am. I am. I am loving a weaker sister by having a Christmas tree. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right, Dennis. Yes. What about you? Oh, absolutely. We do. And uh, I drug it up out of the basement and put it up. And then my wife put all the ornaments on, made it look really good. And uh, we have a couple of small ones on either side of the auditorium, beside the American flag and the Christian flag. <laughs> and uh, the <laughs> you got some angel statues around it too. And we do not, although I'm, I'm thinking about the nativity set on the communion table. He put he put a, feature, a Mary statue up in, in the baptistry. It might feature an angel, but what the only thing I found are the wise men at the manger. Well, see, that's the unscriptural part. <laughs> we need to move them off to the drum cage because they came from afar, but. Uh, uh, then we have one out in our, our lobby that has uh, the names of homebound saints on there where people come by and get one of those and take them a gift. So, yes, we do have those. But can I clarify one thing? Sure. 
We do not worship the trees. We do not. So y'all, y'all don't sing the famous uh, "Oh Christmas Tree" worship song. We do not. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. That's that that's good not. enough for Charlie Brown. But the smell of evergreen is a, a, a wondrous thing. Except ours are are plastic, but we could spray them with Lysol. We have we have a uh, wax. Stick melts. the uh, car. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the car fresheners. <laughs> we, we have we have wa- uh, wax melts in our house that smell like a Christmas tree. Yes. Or I should say an evergreen tree. But you don't burn those like in incense for worship, correct? No, no. Okay. Because I was getting worried about you there, Benjamin. <laughs> so so no, we no incense, have just wax. So we have a Christmas tree at our house. Uh we I drug it up from under our house as well. Um I know some people think that is sacrilegious to have a fake Christmas tree, which I used to think of until I got married and then I realized, man, it saves money and it, you know, it's way easier. It's good stewardship, brother. Absolutely. You can take those dollars saved from buying those trees that you just have to throw away and give to Lottie Moon hey. Christmas offering. <laughs> and just like the deity, your uh plastic tree will last forever. <laughs> But anyway, so and then we have uh, we have a ton of Christmas trees at our church. We found a deal on a bunch and we hooked up our sanctuary. So um, now are they real or are they artificial? These are artificial. Okay, they're artificial. So you can use them from year to year. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Well, again, stewardship. In fact, if you wanted to, you could just leave them up and like change them in seasonal decorations. You could put like American flags at Fourth of July. You could, uh, you know, <laughs> Donald put, Trump make America great. Put the Nina Pinta and Santa Maria on Columbus Day. <laughs> I mean, there's just a host of things you could do uh, there. So there is quite a bit. Yeah. Well, I, I have heard of people saran wrapping their Christmas tree with the decorations and putting it in their garage, which I think is brilliant. I could get down with I that. I just don't have the room. But anyway, so let's let's progress here. Ben, I think that would be a novel switch, right? There. Yeah. So Ben, I think you you said it was not your preference. Okay. So yes. so are you anti Christmas tree? So basically you're saying you are Scrooge. I am Scrooge. Bah humbug. <laughs> so no, tell tell you did say that you you didn't want the Christmas trees. Explain yourself. <laughs> Explain myself. Um I I feel like in general in the Christmas season, which it's a whole other discussion of should we even celebrate Christmas at all? Um but if we are celebrating Christmas, um I think the primary focus, which we would all agree, needs to be on Christ. And a lot of the kind of peripheral things that we do are not really focused on Christ. It's more cultural or whatever. And so I'm not going to like tell somebody in my church, if you have a Christmas tree, you're in sin and you need to repent and take it to the goodwill, you know, or whatever. Like, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying like, especially when you kind of are aware of why we're doing things like for instance, the gifts go under the tree because they're supposed to be for the tree. Um, one year, uh, we had a small Christmas tree and we also had a manger and we put the gifts under the manger. And some people might say, Oh, that's real spiritual or whatever. But especially when you open their, your gifts. But when it comes to discipling my kids though, it, it is a good opportunity to explain to them why are we doing this, right? And, and instead of tying it in with what's just a nice tradition that has like no root in Scripture, it's like, no, we're creating a tradition in our family that actually is rooted in Scripture. 
Um, and so I'm not going to necessarily put anybody on blast if they have a Christmas tree, but my preference would be not to practice the tradition in the, in the cultural way that we do it. And as far as in the church goes, um, my personal preference would be not to have one, uh, or at least at the very least, not in the worship center. Um, just because I feel like, uh, again, it is drawing focus away from the the purpose of celebrating Christmas. Just say th- by humbug. <laughs> well, and I think that's always a danger. The the commercialism, the material aspect of things, uh, the the tradition, the mythology. Uh, all of that can just uh, absolutely uh, subvert the message. But the whole thing of Christmas, I mean, if we want to be really technical, more than likely, Jesus was not born mm-hmm. on December 25. I mean, what? just, yes, more than likely. You would not find shepherds abiding in the field in the winter time, and uh, and so we know that there was a even a pagan holiday, a pagan observance, and so uh, early on when Rome, uh, the Roman Church and the Roman government got together, you had this influx of paganism, taking pagan things and giving them quote Christian meanings. A lot of the holidays were that way. And so if we want to be just really, really strict about it, you know, uh, we'd be, be like the Jehovah's Witnesses and right. not have any Christmas trees, right? Right. Well, but, and the other thing is it's ironic that Protestants are celebrating Christ Mass, which is where the true. word comes from. Yes. Because yes. we don't believe in the Mass. We, If you're a good Protestant, you think that the Mass is actually blasphemous against the work of Christ. Yes. So the fact that we even celebrate Christmas, again, intention matters, right? I don't think anybody that we know is saying I'm celebrating Christmas because uh, you know I think Jesus needs to be re-sacrificed in the mass this year and I'm celebrating Christmas because I think that an evergreen tree is actually a god and I'm going to offer sacrifices like not I don't know anybody that's practicing that right or at least not in my church or anybody I'm associated with so it's not like we're trying to uh you know accuse people of being idol worshipers or something like that, at least not intentionally, but it it warrants consideration to say like, okay, would you be doing that in other areas of your life? You know, if you became aware that other things that you were doing were associated with spiritual practices or whatever, would that afflict your conscience or do you just kind of make an exception because it's a tradition or whatever? Mm -hmm. So so if, if I, if I were in India on a mission trip and I bring back souvenirs, and I bring back uh, an elephant, okay, a golden elephant, um, which is something that would be venerated, perhaps worshipped in Hinduism, the whole reincarnation thing and so forth. To have that and set it on my shelf in my house, have, have, I, have I sinned? Am I guilty of idolatry by, by doing that? Am Not I, at all. Am I bringing- I, don't, I don't think so. And, and that's, that's my thing with the Christmas stuff. And, and it goes back to what we talked about in the Halloween episode. You know, you could almost tie anything material-wise in the world, and somebody has worshipped it in some form or fashion. Mm-hmm. And, sure. It, and, and, and where the, you might have plants in your sanctuary. At some point, somebody probably worshipped a plant, right? And so I think that 
it's this weird form of legalism that you will eventually stumble on. You will eventually come across something. It's just like you mentioned the different holidays. Well, Easter, right? Yes. Ishtar. Right. Ishtar I don't know. Eggs. I don't know of anybody that's like pushing against Easter. Bunnies and fertility rights and all that stuff. Right. Uh, right. And yeah. so that's what I'm saying. So you don't hear, but it's like, we're going to stand on this, but yet this, we're going to, I just think. You're creating a stumbling block. One of the best. Or you could just be consistent and not do any of it. Right. Which is true. But I think, but I I literally think that there's some things in life that bring, I mean, I love decorating our Christmas tree with my kids. I absolutely love it. Our our church, we love decorating the church to beautify it. It wasn't Mm -hmm. anything about. Sure. It's more of a decoration. Right. It is a decoration. Sure. So I think there's things in life that we can do, and and even if it's somehow tied to, I, I read this article and it was talking about, and this gives my point exactly. It says during World War II, the American military used some remote South Pacific islands for temporary landing strips and supply depots. Prior to that time, the indigenous tribal people had never seen modern technology up close. Large cargo planes swooped in, filled with an array of material goods, and for the first time, the islanders saw cigarette lighters, which they deemed to be miraculous, jeeps, refrigerators, radios, power tools, and many varieties of food. And when the war was over, the islanders concluded that the men who brought cargo were gods. Mm. So began building shrines to the cargo gods. They hoped the cargo gods would return with more goods. And so most people don't even know about that. Right. And it says, similarly, few know anything about the worship of the trees on Christmas. Right. right? So True. when a child pulls a large present out from under the tree and unwraps a large model air cargo plane, no one views that as an, as an object or an idol or, or a god. So I think the intent is, in my opinion, everything. Well, it may not be everything, but it is, it is a lot. And, and here's what I would say about it. That again, people like yourself, Adam, and, and like myself, uh, and to some extent, Ben, um, <laughs> if, if we, if we're okay with this and, and have no problem with it, uh, I, I don't want to hear some legalistic, you know, guy yelling at me that I'm going to hell because of it, that right. I'm an idolater. Uh, but on the other hand, if there's someone who has a conviction, a personal conviction, I don't want this in my home or I would not have this in our church, then I would say by all means you ought not do that because it would be sinful for you, except in the case where you're trying to exercise charity and, and unity uh, in in that. So, um, so I think, again, a person's convictions, which gets to that internal part that you're talking about, it is a, is a very uh, huge matter. So, so here's some scripture that I think kind of speaks to this. First uh, Corinthians eight, uh, verse four. There, um, Paul's talking about, uh, you know, what do we do with meat that's offered to idols? Is it a sin to eat this meat or not? And Paul says, therefore, as to, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence, and that there is no god but one. For although there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many quote unquote gods and many quote unquote lords. Yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom all from whom are all things, and for whom we exist, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through whom we exist. However, not all possess this knowledge, but some, through former association with idols, eat food as really offered to an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. Food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat, 
and no better off if we do. But take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will he not be encouraged if his conscience is weak to eat food offered to idols? And so by your knowledge this weak person is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died. Thus sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. Yeah. So I, I think that is kind of a good a good summary. So it, maybe an application is, uh, I would say, based on that, it might not be a good idea to have it in church. Just in case, if you've got my, somebody there who's, who's worshiping trees now. Legitimately, right. who's worshiping? Well, in other cultures, it does happen. They are. Because but, I was reading the history today, and it was talking about it's hard to pinpoint where the, that some pagans used it as decorations, that uh, Romans used it as decorations. Like, I've never, I've, I haven't read anything that would specifically say that even people today are worshiping trees. Now, if I were to preach a whole message on you shouldn't worship trees, I, I just, I don't know. Okay, so let me ask you this. Okay. Uh, do you guys use alcoholic wine in communion? Do what now? Do you use alcoholic wine in communion? We do not. No. Okay. Why not? We don't either, for reference. But why? Why would you not do that? Because it's not about the substance. And traditionally, in Baptist life, uh, <laughs> people have been total abstainers, and so they're going to abstain right. in that respect and feel like still the juice, uh, the crimson, the fruit of the vine, which Jesus references. Uh, it's, it's still, um, you know, it communicates that same truth without being fermented. But but I think we would all agree that part of the reason why is conscience, right? If, if there's a brother or sister there and their conscience would prevent them from coming to the Lord's table because of the alcohol, even if other people may not think that it's a sin, it's a matter of like, listen, we don't. We don't want to put an obstacle in front of you that doesn't have to be in yeah. front of you. And so I would say it could be the same thing with, you know, having Santa Claus on stage uh, at church or having the Easter Bunny hop in, you know, during service or having a Christmas tree. If somebody does that in their home and to them it's not idolatry and they are rightly uh, proclaiming the reason for that holiday – if their conscience is clear about that, like Paul says, if you're eating in the restaurant where the idol meat is served and it doesn't bother you because you know an idol's not real, then it's fine for you to do that. But the question is, is that other person whose conscience is is afflicted by that, are you putting something in front of them that's making uh, it harder for them to obey yeah. their conscience? Yeah, and, and, and of course you didn't get to that whole First Corinthians argument because he goes on to say later that that these things, even though these idols are no gods, they're not real. They're just inanimate mm-hmm. things. He says there's demonic forces that mm-hmm. are represented by those, so that that you're actually sacrificing to demons when you when you right. do those things. And so, uh, so are you saying that the demons are pleased when we put presents under our tree? I'm not saying that. I'm saying that we need to weigh those things though, and and not just dis- dismiss them out of hand, which I think is easy for us to do, not yes. to even deal with those <laughs> issues. Um, I talked about that yesterday, and I, and I told the kids when you see that tree, you're to think about the tree that Jesus hung on. And remember that he died so we could have everlasting life. And the gifts that are under there are to remind us of the greatest gift that came to us in Jesus coming in this world to give us eternal life through him. So I think you can take 
She Christianized it. Well, yes, and it and can I, be redeemed, and, and, I, and I think you can. It I is a creation of God. Yeah, I, th- <laughs> I think you can do that. Um, you know, I have no problem with uh, the Chronicles of Narnia or the Lord of the Rings or those kind. Of, th- those are fiction. They're fantasy. They're not real. There's wizards, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. But but there's a, a very deliberate Christian message that underscores those, and I think you can use those kinds of things now. Just out and out, flat out lie to your kids and tell them Santa brings you all these presents and stuff. That's that's getting a little more dicey. But I think to treat mm. it as we got Santa, a couple more minutes left, Adam. Let's well, go yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, should, yeah, Adam. Should we hang Santa in effigy, burn him in effigy? Absolutely not. Okay. No, I I think the Santa thing. We do it. We do it at our house. Do we quote unquote lie to our kids? No. I mean, we don't. You know, you better be good. We don't use that as the year round threat to behave themselves. We don't do that. Um, so they can be naughty as well as nice. Yeah, we show grace. It's a lesson in grace. <laughs> but no, we Santa's, Santa's grace, grace may abound. Yeah, Santa's grace. But no, I mean we we do it. Um, again, I think it goes to that joy. And as I've I've talked to a lot of people who are like, you know, you're lying to your kids, and then they won't believe in Jesus one day. I've never known anybody who has gone to counseling because their parents played Santa. I've never known that. Um, I'm, I'm fine. And once you, you know, realize, Oh, it was my parent. I identify as Santa once a year. So there is a real, you never seen children traumatized on Santa's lap. I mean, <laughs> yeah. have you not seen that? I mean, yeah. That can be a psychological scar they carry forever. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't, um, we, we definitely don't, um, how would I phrase this? We don't, we don't lie. Yeah, we don't we don't lie. I mean, it's more of a character than it is. You know, we don't say, "Well, he's making the toys now" and and things of that nature. We, I mean, yeah. so so what do you do when they see a, a quote unquote Santa in public? They say, like "Hey, Santa." I mean, they see. Santa. But I mean, do you tell them like this is Santa? Um, I don't know. We haven't had that discussion, honestly. Because again, kid, I think that's where with some of this stuff, we think kids look at it way more deeply than they do. I mean, it's just like Halloween, you know, kids at Halloween aren't going to be like, Oh, tonight we're going to go worship, you know, cause that's, that's cause you tell them they're wearing costumes. Eh? But most parents don't do that with Santa. They say, this is Santa. This yeah. is the same Santa that's yeah. going to break into your house on Christmas. But Eve. I mean, we haven't had that conversation <laughs> coming down the chimney. Yeah. I don't even think we've had that conversation. Well, I, I think again, you can do that in a fun, lighthearted kind of way. You can talk about the real Saint. Nicholas right. That's what we do and, in our, in about our house. That. Uh, without going to the, ex- the extremes of making him to be almost a real person, you know, and I think there are some dangers there to, to doing that. Number one, if you, if you, if your kids think you've lied to them about this fella that's pretty much omnipresent and omniscient and so Benevolent, forth. Yeah. yeah. When you start talking about the real God who is and how they know that you're not lying about, about that. Now, you know, that's probably not going to happen much. Yeah, God never it's ate your cookies. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so so I think there are some things to be concerned about. We don't make a big deal around here about about Santa Claus. I don't we've not brought him in do anything. It's it's not uh, but but probably some parents do. And we talked when our kids were small, we talked about. It, but it was just never uh, like this is the real deal. Now, did you do the Santa fun. thing? Did we do it? Yeah. Uh, dress up, that sort no, of thing. No, no, no. I'm saying like Santa brought his presents. 
We probably did. Yeah, we probably did that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, but, but just like a fun, fun kind of thing. Well, yeah. I grew up with that. Yeah. Now I grew up Are with you like. scarred for one? life because of it? Uh, um, I, I don't it's know. It's debatable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's that or something else. Because I, I, I <laughs> yeah. do think, and I will say this, I will think that when I've heard, I think the idea of people saying, well, you know, I have never met, and maybe you guys have. If you have, please tell me because I would love to know. I've never met anybody who was like, I did not believe in Jesus because my parents told me Santa was real. I've not. I've never met anybody like that. And But I will say that in discussions with people of non-believers, they'll say, well, you know, Santa, Santa and the Easter Bunny and, and, and they'll, but that, that's, that's not the same argument. That's a, yeah. that's a bad. Uh, okay. So here, so here, here's my take on it. Okay. I, I agree with you, Adam. I don't, I don't think anybody, I, of course, I believe that people are saved because they're regenerated by the Holy Spirit and their eyes are open to see Christ as he is and they trust in him as their savior. So Santa's not going to mess that up. He's not going to get in the Holy Spirit's way. Um, and neither will their, uh, their own stubbornness and sin nature. But, um, to me, Nicholas is a great way to, to teach the gospel to kids if he's taught the way that he is. So for instance, with our kids, we talk about, um, and you know what? I'll give props to this. People hate on veggie tales. There's a really good veggie tales about St. Nicholas, about the historical St. Nicholas. And, um, and it's got some fun stuff, you know, some Santa type stuff in there, but it's actually like pretty spot on. And so we usually, we started watching that every year with the kids and so kind of talking to them. Talk. Hmm. So vegetables can talk. No, they're they're just wearing uh, they're people wearing vegetable costumes. <laughs> but uh, but talk about the fact of okay, you know, so so Nicholas uh ha- grew up in a believing family. His parents uh died assisting uh, people during a plague, and he gave and he inherited a fortune as an orphan and spent his whole fortune. Um, helping the poor and the sick and others. And he was so dedicated to Christ that he became a bishop of Myra at a young age in Greece. And a lot of the stories that we have, like the stockings, you know, there was a man uh, in in his parish who uh, had uh, three daughters and his he owed a debt and he was going to have to sell his daughters into slavery. And supposedly when they were hanging their stockings to, to dry, Nicholas snuck by the house and dropped some coins in the stockings so that he was able to pay off his debt and his daughters wouldn't have to go into slavery. And those were examples of things that Nicholas was doing. Why? Because he loved Christ. Um, and because he understood that every good and perfect gift comes from the above, you know? And so in teaching that to our kids, we say, listen, when you, when you see Santa pictures of Santa, um, it's okay to see pictures of Santa. It's not, there's nothing wrong with it. It's okay for other families to say different things about Santa. And we tell our kids, you know, don't, don't crush, you know, all your classmates' hopes and <laughs> dreams. Don't crush their dreams. Which, unfortunately, speaking the truth. Which, 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 yeah, exactly. You know, well, what we tell them is, you know, their parents need to talk to them about Santa. You let their parents are responsible for doing that. But, um, we use that as an opportunity to talk to them and, and say, listen, uh, when you see Santa, Santa is representative of a person who's dedicated to Jesus, who loves the Lord and wants to be generous to others. Like that, that's essentially what he's representative of. And so it's okay to talk about Santa. It's okay to watch a movie with Santa in it because we understand that, uh, he was a real person and he didn't have magical powers, um, like, like, a lot of people may believe, but that he was a real person, and a lot of the he things about have him are true. Powers? 
Yeah, and oh. so 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 reindeer can't really fly. I didn't know that. Yeah, we so, were ruining so all the this problem. Yeah, so the problem is is we should, we're, we're, we're going to give a parental a, notification. Right. Yeah. Yes. Warning. <laughs> warning. Um, Stop the ears of your children. Right. Yeah. Because it's like if I had my daughter on here right now, uh, they were in Walmart a couple of years ago, and uh, they're going through the toy section, you know, and this. Uh, sweet lady comes up and oh, I bet you kids are so excited for Santa. And my daughter just looks right in her eye and says, "Santa's dead." What? <laughs> just straight up, and the lady's just like, uh, <laughs> yeah. "What?" That's awesome. And then, I love it. You know, um, and they'll, uh, you know, so it's like we had to have a conversation about that. You know, like so now it's like they're like, "Are you waiting for Santa to come?" And she's just like, "Oh yeah," you know, and she just kind of plays along with it or whatever, you know, which is funny because then you have kids playing along with adults, you know. <laughs> But, but we do it a little different. And again, I'm not condemning anybody, you know, that does it differently. But I, I think in the sense of redeeming it, there's a great way to redeem Santa as somebody who who was uh, dedicated to Christ. And of right. course, I forgot the my favorite thing about Nicholas is he has zero tolerance for heresy. Yes. Because Nicholas was present at the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD and was locked up by the Emperor Constantine for slapping Arius in the face when he said that Jesus was created by God. And so anybody that's got the nerve to stand up in front of hundreds of bishops and slap a heretic in the face is, is uh, number one in my book. So. Uh, yeah. Jesus is number one in my book. But, yes, uh, well. well. In, in, fo- in fo- I said my book, not his book, brother. <laughs> so um, I, I think it is possible to redeem some of these things. I, I think, again, if somebody has those convictions that it's wrong, you ought not do it. But but I don't think you have to necessarily condemn everybody else that does. Uh, again, depending on how they exercise those, I'll, I'll throw out one more. Uh, we every year, basically, my wife and I will watch "It's a Wonderful Life." Now, there's some great moral messages in there. There's some things, obviously, that are not Christian at all. Angels get their wings. Yeah, that's 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 not that's not in in, we've in the covered Bible. That. We've covered yeah, that. we've covered that. But but again, I've I've even shown some of those clips in uh, you know our service before, talking about how people lose the real joy of of what life is all about, the blessing and benefit of God giving you life and you not appreciating it. And uh, and so I think in a lot of those stories and, and legends and stuff, there's illustrations of, of truth because in our heart, it's just the, that common grace. It's the way God has wired us up that we know there's something beyond ourselves. There's someone out there. And so we just have to be careful what road we go down, I think, and, and don't end up in a dead end somewhere. Right. Well, I think that about wraps it up for this episode, the the Christmas episode of the Four Horsemen. We hope that you and yours has has a very merry Christmas. And just just to, to finish this off, just remember, Santa is dead. You can continue the conversation online <laughs> by visiting us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the number four horsemen. Don't forget to tell your friends and enemies about the podcast and be sure to subscribe and review. They look at me funny when I talk like I got a speech impediment. Homie, check my passport. Heaven, I'm a resident. Like a conscious rapper, but do more than master president. I see brothers talking, so I hit them with the medicine. On the other side, they say their grass is greener. Seen the forecast, man, they call them for- Christmas and uh, Christmas trees and Santa. Christmas, Xmas, Hanukkah, elves, Christmas tree, I'd elf on the shelf. I came here. Elf, elf on, on the, the shelf. shelf. My, on the mine bench. is dressed in a Tar Heel outfit. <laughs> have you seen Minch on the bench? No, but it's I've, the Jewish elf on the shelf. It's got. To. It's a little rabbi that you put up, 
And and we also saw uh, Hannah the Hanukkah you hero. Say that fast too many times. You're gonna screw that one up. Yeah. <laughs> 